You're listening to a Catholic Bible Study Podcast. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hello, I'm Michael Barber, and this is my dear friend Jim Prothro, and we're both professors here at the Augustan Institute, and you're joining us for a Bible study on Galatians. That shouldn't be a surprise to you. That should be a big title above the video or something before you click on it. So uh, hopefully I'm not sharing anything new or giving you a spoiler. Uh, But what we're going to do now is continue our track through this amazing letter of St. Paul, and we're going to pick up in chapter four. All right. And here in chapter four, Paul builds on what he'd been talking about in the previous chapter, where he identified the way through Christ, we become heirs of the promises made to Abraham. And he says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. And we talked about this, how people in the ancient world would have servants, a a pedagogue, and then the children would be under that servant for some period of time. And while the children are young, they don't have all the rights of of the owner of the estate, right? They, They are under these other servants. They have to obey. And so that's what Paul's talking about here. And he says, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to... Now, there's a issue with how to translate this expression here, but the ESV has a perfectly fine rendering, the elementary uh, uh, principles, it says, of the world. So we were confined to the to the basic elements of this world. Now, in Greek, the word stoikia can also have the connotation of, of spirits or powers. And um, some people see here the idea that you, you're under angels. And elsewhere in Paul's letters, we read about how in the New Covenant, um, the righteous, the saints, will judge the angels and are even over the angels. But I don't know, we don't really want to spend too much time getting into the weeds of this passage here, but... No, but only, um, uh, this is something that you uh, point out in in your book, which is really helpful, I think. So um, if you're reading the ESVCE uh, in this verse, you'll see, right, elementary principles of the world. And then there's a little footnote at the bottom that says, or maybe elemental spirits. Right. Sometimes, like you said, like people thought, pagans thought about these as like stars, right? right the controlled fates. And um, other people could talk about angels this way. Mm-hmm. And in terms of what Paul is kind of getting at here, right, we're thinking about, right, he's talking about being a child and then growing up, mm-hmm. right, to receive the full inheritance of your parents. So we'll talk more about that in a second. Um, but remember what he said in Galatians 3, 19, right? He said the law was given through angels. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that it's not from God, but it means that if we're thinking about being a child kind of under the world as it is, what Paul calls the present evil age in chapter 1, verse 4 of Galatians, and God bringing us into contact not just with mediators like Moses or an angel or somebody else, somebody who comes from God because we can't handle being in close contact with God, but actually being put into contact with God himself. Well, that's something new that happens in Jesus because God and God's whole godness, right? As Colossians says, the fullness of divinity, right? All of God's godness is in Jesus 
in bodily form walking around and then is given by the Holy Spirit to us. And that means that there's something different, just like he said earlier in chapter 3, that uh, we were under, right, he says the Israel was under this pedagogue, this guardian of the law, until Christ should come and they can be sons of God. Well, here, right, we're under, right, nannies and guardians and these elemental spirits, even like angels, right, but kept and sort of held there by them. But now that Christ has come, we get to actually, right, participate directly mm -hmm. in God, right? right. And, and, the, and the flip side him. of this is that for those Galatians who are insisting that they have to go back and keep all of the law and keep all of these observances in order to be justified, what Paul's saying is, no, you're kind of going backwards, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what God has done in Christ is something that is in continuity with his plan of salvation, but it also transcends in ways what was available uh, in the old covenant. And so you don't want to go backwards. You want to go forwards. Yes. Yeah. It's a little bit like, um, uh, 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 only a little bit like in, in Exodus chapter 20, when God gives the 10 commandments from Mount Sinai mm -hmm. and there's this sort of divine voice. I mean, it's an angel. Um, cause, uh, but this sort of divine voice coming from the mountain that tells the 10 commandments. And then all of the people <clears throat> of Israel look at Moses and say, Hey, don't let him talk to us anymore, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. They've heard the voice of God, for goodness sake, but they're like, that's scary. That I don't scary. want that. <laughs> Moses, you do the talking yeah. from now on, right? <laughs> right. And and now, now, now God wants that. God says, yes, this was a test. Moses says, God's testing you, right? This is good. You fear him. But with Christ, right, it's like God is like, no, I, I, I have come to you to draw you into my own heavenly life. Mm -hmm. And you're going, no, I don't want to come in the big house. I'd rather sit out front on the porch. It's more comfortable for me, mm -hmm. right? I'd rather be out there with the law and the, everything else, and the right? Mosquitoes. But not yeah. come in here. Yeah, and right. mosquitoes, but not come in, right? Right. So Paul goes on, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. So Christ is born under the law, very significant. The law is not so wicked that Christ doesn't come born under the law, but he comes to redeem those who were under the law so that they might receive, so that we might receive adoption as sons. What's Paul driving at there? Why, why is it important to be redeemed Un from under the law. So redeem, you can, you we, like we redeem coupons and things like that, right? It's kind of like ransom, right? right. Um, but the, the main, sometimes people get really bothered like, well, wait, who did God pay? <laughs> did God pay death? Did he pay the devil? Did he pay the law? Some money to get, what are we talking about? That That's not actually the biggest, the biggest point, right? But you transfer from one domain of authority and power to another one. God had put everybody, put Israel under the law on purpose, right, as a guardian. But now, right, to redeem them from, right, being under the law or mm -hmm. under these things, right, he comes and in Christ gets them, right, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, brings them fully and perfectly into his direct domain so that they're dealing not simply with Moses, but with God, right? Speaking not just with Moses or an angel or somebody else, but with God, right? Eating the bread, not just of human bread that miraculously fell, but the bread of angels itself, the bread of God, right? 
Um, and so that they can receive adoption as sons. Yes. And so redemption is ultimately ordered towards being part of God's family mm -hmm. and being brought mm -hmm. in to union with the son. And it's really important for Paul. I think we often overlook this. We're not sons and daughters of God apart from Christ. We, in a sense, share for Paul. We share Christ's sonship with the mm -hmm. Father. We share in his relationship with the Father. And all of this, Paul says, happens because of the Spirit. God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And here we have imagery that's taken from prophets like Ezekiel, where God promises that in the future age, when God redeems, when he restores his people, he will send his spirit and he will give his people a heart of flesh. He will take out the heart of stone and give his people a heart of flesh. So here we have that idea of the spirit being sent into our hearts so that we can be transformed. And that transformation is nothing less than becoming like Christ becoming like the Son, crying out, Abba, Father. And so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. And so if you are a son of God, Paul is explaining to the Galatians, you are an heir and you are heir of the promises that were made to Abraham. You are no longer outside the family of Abraham in Christ. You're united to the one who is the descendant of Abraham uh, par excellence, and you are given his spirit, Christ's spirit, so that you can become like him. Any thoughts mm -hmm. on that before we move on? No, just um, uh, one note here. Uh, you can see the beautiful sort of Trinitarian work mm. of God to redeem us. Um, uh, one of my one of the lines I like from Thomas Aquinas is that. Uh, on the one hand, right, we can think about um, the different persons in the Trinity having characteristic actions, right? Mm -hmm. The Spirit sanctifies, the Son redeems, the Father creates, that kind of a thing, right? And, and that's not a bad thing, right? You can talk about God, uh, excuse me, you can talk about God, the Trinity, as, right, like creator and redeemer and sanctifier. But, right, Thomas insists, and he's totally right, right? That Thomas all, Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas, yeah. yeah. That all of the Trinity is always involved, right? And this is one of the reasons uh, I got a question from a student the other day. They read in the book of Acts and then they read some of Paul and they said, I thought that we weren't supposed to say that the Father raised, that God raised Jesus from the dead. I thought we were just supposed to say Jesus rose because he has the power himself. I'm like, well, he does have the power himself, right. but he has the power because he's God, which means that God the Father is doing it too, and so is the Spirit, and so is Jesus, and you can actually find all of those things being said differently in the Scriptures. And here also in our redemption, right, the Father sends the Son. The Son redeems by dying and rising again, but then in his sending out of the Holy Spirit is when that sonship, right, that adoption actually comes to reside in our hearts, mm -hmm. right, where the Spirit of God takes up its dwelling in mm -hmm. us, and he says, Father to the Father, and he can do that without hedging his bets, without anything else, and that means that because he's in you, you can call God Father without hedging your bets, right? This is why we say uh, uh, in the liturgy, right? Mm -hmm. Right? We dare to say, right, right before we say our Father, right? Because that's a bold thing to say, right? For a little pipsqueak like me to look at God and go, Dad, <laughs> Father, 
right? Right. But Jesus invites us to do that because he sends us his Holy Spirit so that we can call out Abba, Father, to him. Right. Yeah. And we can't do that apart from the Spirit. And right. so we need to ask the Father to continually send that Spirit to us and mm -hmm. to unite mm -hmm. ourselves to that Spirit. Paul goes on to say, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. Here he's talking about the forces of demonic powers, right? Those who are false gods, right? So before you did, before you knew God in Christ, before the gift of grace, you were enslaved, right? And so this is, this is the reality of life apart from Christ, that we do not have freedom. We're not able to do the things that we're called to do because we, we lack the gift of that spirit that enables us, that empowers us to, to be faithful. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, I like how he puts this, but now that you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God, because I mean, let's be honest, we don't really know God fully, right? In reality, God is the one who makes himself known to us. How can you turn back, Paul is saying to the Galatians who want to be circumcised, how can you, the Galatian Gentiles, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years. So the idea is, it seems that there's some pressure to adopt practices, not just like circumcision, but maybe even to observe certain you know, Jewish festivals or at least any festival. The idea is, it's not enough to have faith in Christ that in order to receive the grace of Christ, some people are being told, no, you have to make yourself worthy in advance by doing all of these things. Paul's saying, no, you're going backwards, right? He says, I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. And so here we can just maybe come up with a, a quick little Venn diagram, right? Where on the one hand, there, 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 we see basically there are two spheres of existing. One sphere is under the law that's ordained by angels. And in that sphere, you're under the elemental spirits, the uh, elemental principles, the, you know, the, the powers of, of this world. But then there's a new covenant age that's coming. There's a, the age that is marked by faith in Christ. And that realm of existence, if you will, that, that way of being, actually elsewhere, Paul says, You'll judge the angels. And he says, we're no longer under the law. And what happens is in Christ, if we're united to Christ, there's kind of an overlapping of these two periods. And that's really what Paul's talking about here, isn't he? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And if I could add to, to sure. your, your comments about um, uh, God taking the initiative right. Right, for us by his grace, this, this little kind of uh, correction that Paul has uh, in verse 9, I think is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And um, I just want to note it real quick. He says, now that you've come to know God, or rather, you've been known by God, right? Right. What's the first thing that happens? Right? It's, a mm -hmm. lot of times we, we uh, can go into the you know, sort of struggle of thinking, okay, I got to earn my place before God. Sometimes also we can go into the sort of like next struggle of saying, oh, well, I, I thought I had to but now I know I don't. And so, right, it's not about me knowing God, it's about God knowing me. Right. So who cares if I ever study or ever try to keep his commandments or anything like that? One of the beautiful things is when, when God makes his 
when God takes the initiative to know us and give us his <clears throat> grace, that creates this new relationship where we're transformed and we want to, mm -hmm. right, follow and know him. So here, right, God knows us, so you ought to know him, right? You ought to want to know him, right, because he has come uh, and brought us into this relationship of sonship and daughtership to him. Philippians 3, there's uh, another thing that's just like this, and I want to share this with you, even though it's not on the screen. Philippians 3, verse 12. If you're watching, you can pause and flip to your Bible <laughs> if you want, or you can just trust me. But Paul says, right, I, I'm, I, I want to attain the goal of perfection and to be raised from the dead. He says, not that I've already obtained this or already am perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Right? Because Jesus has come and made me unworthy, his own, mm -hmm. now I want to make his gifts my own and live to mm -hmm. strive and live into them, right? Uh, it's not a striving for something that is beyond us and being dangled like a carrot, right? It's striving to make real the gift that he's already put in us, right? And that the Holy Spirit already is within us. Mm -hmm. um, and and these guys want to run the opposite way. <laughs> right, right. All right. So then Paul goes on in verse 12, brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, bald. No, that's not. No, 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 I don't think that's right. Because, uh, uh, brothers, I entreat you. Become, Unibrow. Uh, yeah, yeah. There are lots of interesting portrayals of Paul, depictions of Paul. There is a famous passage in uh, in a non-biblical but ancient Christian work that gives us a description of. Paul himself. We can find that in our book, Paul, A New Covenant Jew, book I, I wrote with Bram Petrie and John Kincaid. The, the basic idea seems to be that Paul wasn't all that especially attractive to look at, but what made him great was his speaking and was his virtue. So he wasn't great in the eyes of the world, right, so mm -hmm. to speak. Anyway, for I also have become as you are. And here we really see Paul modeling what he believes Christ has done, right? That Christ has become as we are. And so Paul, we see that in Philippians as well, Philippians 2. Mm -hmm. Brothers, I entreat you to become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. So Paul's talking about how he gave himself here, so to speak, to the Galatians, how he tried to become like them, became one of them. He says, you know, it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. So it doesn't seem like Paul ended up in Galatia initially because he had this, you know, this careful plan, but he, he came there somehow because of some bodily ailment. He preached the gospel at first, and though my condition was a trial to you, so what this was, we're not really clear, right? It could be an eye malady. It could be something else. And his condition, he had a physical condition that was a trial to them. You did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God. And the Greek word there for angel is the word for messenger. So you received me as the messenger of God as Christ Jesus. It's really a beautiful passage, right? Mm -hmm. Any thoughts here you want to, uh, uh, before we move to the next well, few no, verses here? Well, um, no, uh, uh, only to say, um, you find this language a lot of, um, you find it in Paul's letters particularly, of receiving other people as though they were Christ. Right? right. That Paul wants churches to receive apostles, 
and other ministers and helpers, deacons, as though that person is Christ, because they represent Christ. Right. Even other he Christians. He hears you, hears me. Exactly, Jesus exactly. Gospels. Right. Mm -hmm. that he wants he wants people when they receive or meet another Christian coming to them in the name of God to treat them like they would treat Jesus. Right. right? Um, uh, and there's something there's something beautiful to that. Not only when we're being visited by somebody, but also when we're visiting somebody else and we see somebody. Right. To treat them as though we were going to go and visit the Lord, because. If the Holy Spirit is in all of us through right. our baptism, then the Lord is in each of us. That's right. That's right. Um, but in the context here, it's not all that beautiful because he's going to say, <laughs> it was great. What happened? Right. So they, they originally <laughs> recognized that Paul was preaching the true gospel and they received him as Christ Jesus, even though he was wounded, even though he was vulnerable, even though he uh, had an ailment. Right. But these other representatives, these other teachers have come to these churches in Galatia. They presented themselves as the be-all end-all, and Paul is upset because they've been, the, the Galatians have been listening to these other preachers mm -hmm. and been led astray. And this is so mind-boggling for Paul. He goes on to say, what then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Right? The, the Galatians were so grateful for Paul, to, for him bringing the gospel, bringing the spirit to them, which they received. Paul says, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. What do you think Paul means by that there? Yeah, well, this whole section here is a good reminder um, that if we read Galatians to be only mm. about our, our what we think and about doctrine, right? then we're missing something, mm -hmm. right? Paul says, the, I came to you, right? You received me as an angel of God, and now you've got these other people who showed up, and you're going to leave the truth through my apostleship, through the church, to jump in with other people, right? It's right. not just an issue of you got the wrong teaching a little bit, but also, right, that people are going to leave the apostolic church for these other yahoos, right, right, for something else, and who, so are, here, who are in some ways flattering them, right, right? right. saying they make much of you, right. and they want you to make much of them, right? that's right, and they're going to shut you out, shut you out from what, Paul? Right, well, right. from the communion of the church, right, right. You're going to leave the message that Peter and all the other apostles and I preach, and you're going to actually break off communion with me, your apostle, and run off after these jokers. And they'd love that because then you'd be like, oh, you guys, you guys are the true church. You guys are the real apostles of Jesus. That That's not actually going to be good for you. They're trying to break you off from us. And, and do you think that and, in some sense, what's going on here is that these false teachers are also sort of making much out of their Jewish background, right? They, they're circumcised. You have to become like us, right? And so in some ways, there's a, a subtext here that these people are trying to shut you out from the church because they want you to make much of them as 
Jews because they mm. want you to have to become Jews by being circumcised. So do you think there might be maybe maybe not? That's that's how I, I kind of detect that in the yeah in maybe the background a little bit. Here. No, I, I I can see that definitely though. It's worth remembering that that when we talk about Jews in this context, right, we're right. not talking about non-Christian Jews. Right. That's right? right. The people who are preaching to the Galatians are Christians, but they just are from Jewish right descent. Right. And they're trying to foist all of the things right. from their own. But it's not good enough culture. for you to be a Gentile. You right. need to become exactly. a Jew so that you can exactly. then be a Christian. Yeah, that's right. right. That's I think of, that seems. Yeah, they're bringing some some. Gentiles uh, aren't going to be saved. You got to be a Jew. Yeah. You got to be circumcised. Make yourself a Jew. And so they want to shut you out of the family of Abraham. That you may make much of them. Oh wow, you guys are so great. Because anyway, I, I wonder if there's, there's a little bit of that mm. going on here. Verse mm. 18. Mm. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose and not only when i am present with you my little children for whom i am again in the anguish of childbirth until christ is formed in you so here paul is talking about his great love for the people here and he's describing himself as being in the anguish of childbirth what a strange image to use yeah, for a man, wouldn't you say? It's sort of a... Yeah. Well, Paul talks about himself in First Thessalonians also as like a nursing mother. Right. right? Um, uh, Paul Paul doesn't just say, right, okay, we're only going to use masculine types of, right. of images for myself. But he uses motherly ones as well, right? <laughs> um, and, and this is really an important part of right, the Christian message, right? Because what happens when you're baptized? That's right. right. You're born again. Right. And so if bringing somebody to Christ is like giving them new birth, right, then all of us are like midwives under God, right? right. Or like mothers, right? right. And Bringing being brought into the oneness of the church, which is commanded as mother church mm -hmm. here, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I love this idea that Paul is in anguish until Christ is formed in you. And that's a, a message that we should all sort of reflect on, that in this life, Christ is constantly being formed in us. Yes, we are in Christ and Christ is in us, but there's a sense in which this is a lifelong process, right, of being made more and more in conformity to the image of the Son. Paul says in Romans 8, right, that we are to be become uh, conformed to the image of Christ. Paul is in anguish here because it seems like these false teachers are leading them astray, and Christ is not going to be fully formed in them. And so what will happen is they will be cut off from Christ, and they'll lose that life that is in them. And he says, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. And it kind of gives us an insight into Paul's relationship with the with the Galatians as well, right? Yeah. He, he seems to have a different tone in person than he does in his letters. And it reminds us too, um, uh, when we read Galatians, it's really easy to look and, and, and uh, notice, we should notice it, right? That Paul's kind of like, cranked here, right? Right. He's got white knuckles, right? I mean, he's not holding the pen until the end because he tells us he picks it up, but right, he's 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 raring, right? Right. And sometimes he kind of jumps, right? And and he doesn't always like explain things in this sort of nice, like, okay, now let's think about it this way. Now do I mean this? No, of course not. Let's go on and talk about right. He does that in some of his other letters. It ain't happening here, right? <laughs> This is one of the only letters where he doesn't have a promise to come and visit them in the near future, right? Uh, he just says, I wish I could, 
but I can't. Right. And so I have to write you this really kind of like rough, really insistent appeal to get you back mm. because he doesn't know if he's going to see him again, it seems. Right. Um, and this is a really important thing to consider, right? Oftentimes people imagine that to be pastoral, to, to reach people where they are, you have to sort of um, bend over backwards. You have to accommodate people. You never want to use a tone that might be strong, that might be off-putting. But Paul is identifying himself in this passage as a mother, right? And he's recognizing that in order to enable you to be fully formed, to have Christ fully formed in you, he needs to use a tone that's commensurate with the, the situation. And so here Paul is using somewhat harsh language, and we're going to see that harsh language continue in Galatians. But in no way should we mistake that for a lack of love for the Galatians? No. Right? He sees them as his little children. Mm -hmm. So when you're dealing with little children, sometimes you have to use a, a tone that's going to help them understand that Th there's a severity to the circumstances that, so, you know, I tell my son, Simon, don't run out in the middle of the street. Don't run out in the middle of the street. You really shouldn't run out in the middle of the street. I, that's not going to get his attention if he's in the immediate circumstance where uh, he's in danger of being run over by a car, right? And for Paul, that those are the stakes here. Yeah, this, this literally happened to uh, my wife a couple of weeks ago. She was getting her car fixed. And the mechanics place was right on the corner of two big streets. Yeah. And um, uh, the two-year-old ran out and was very close to being hit by a car. And the man, the mechanic, was, was a really good guy. He stepped out and he just screamed, "Stop! <laughs> Stop!" Where you are! And that got his but, attention. Huh? Uh, and, and and so my 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 child my child went and turned back around and ran to mom. <laughs> yeah, right. right? And she spent the, re the the next day or two, right, crying like that man was mean, right? And right. she's like, yeah, but you're alive, right? right? And Paul doesn't have a problem in this case, right? If he was with them, he could change his tone because he could teach them through it, but he can't. He could just write this letter. And so he's got no problem yelling out, don't do this, right. because if they do this, right? They will uh, cut themselves off from the life of Christ and right. death is the circumstance that they are going to face, mm -hmm. real death. And we're going to talk more about what that life and death looks like in our next episode as we move into Paul's teaching further in Galatians 4 and 5. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us. I want to thank you for being part of our mission here at the Augustine Institute, especially those of you who are part of the Mission Circle, all the donations that you've so generously provided make it possible for us to to be able to teach the, the Word of God, to be able to make these videos. Thank you so very much for your help. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. You can watch this Bible study in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustine Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, ebooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustine Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.